The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. This morning, we will be sharing on what we've titled a grateful soul. You know, um, as a pastor, talking to people, different people, different backgrounds, different um, stages in lives, and, 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 you know, one thing is common to everyone I speak to, whether it's a child, teenager, an adult, male, female, one thing is common. Everyone has a dream. Everyone has something in their heart that they want to achieve. There's something that they believe God has put in their heart and they want to pursue. And, you know, while that is a gift from God, and it's something that, you know, God expects us to birth, unfortunately, in many cases, those dreams do not come to fruition. So we have people that have a dream for their families. They have a dream for their finances, a dream for their children, a dream for their nation, Nigeria, or wherever you're watching from. They have a dream for their community. But that dream doesn't come to fruition. And God cannot be happy about that. Why would we take the first weekend of every month to focus on gratitude? One of the best ways to say thank you to God is to utilize the gifts he has given you. That's one of the best ways to say thank you to someone. If you, let's say you, you gave your um, child um, a dress that you spent a lot of money to buy and the child never likes to wear the dress, to touch the dress, you know, you wouldn't really be happy about that. But what if the child always wants to wear the dress and looks good in the dress? It's, it's, it's the best way the child can say thank you. The best way we can say thank you to God is to be productive with our lives. The best way we can say thank you to God is for God to look at us and look at what he has given us and what he expects from us. And he says, mm, Femi, well done. He looks at you and he says, oh, my daughter, well done. You've done, you've done well. So a productive soul is a soul that is filled and communicates gratitude. A productive soul is a grateful soul. A productive soul is a grateful soul. In Ephesians 5, God says to us, in Ephesians 5, verse 15, that be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most. Everyone say, make the most. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
There are visions that God has given you. God wants you to make the most of that opportunity. There are things that you can see and you desire for it to happen. God wants you to seize it and make the most of the opportunity. There's a king in scriptures, I mean, one of the kings that I like in scriptures because it reminds me of a typical Christian of our day. The name of the king is Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat loves God, has a heart for God, but Jehoshaphat is always finding himself in the wrong places with the wrong set of people. And it may look like he always gets away with it. But Jehoshaphat is one king that could have been like David. Jehoshaphat did not fulfill his potential because he was always having strange partnership. Jehoshaphat had a covenant with God, but his friends, his best friends, are people that don't want to have anything to do with God. So Jehoshaphat struggled to fulfill his potential. In 1 Kings chapter 22, 1 Kings 22, 48, the word of God says in 1 Kings 22, 48, that King Jehoshaphat built a fleet of trading ships. He built a fleet of trading ships to go to offer for gold, but they never set sail. They wrecked, they were wrecked at Ezion Geber. He built a whole fleet of ships. He had an objective, he had a dream, he had a vision, and it was specific to go to Ophir. You know, the Bible scholars debate on the location of Ophir. Some say Ophir is in Africa. Some say it's in India. But whatever Ophir is, is a, is a place in the Bible that obviously has gold. <laughs> Pure gold. And the ship never left the shore. One of the major reasons why his ship didn't lose, didn't set sail was because of the people he chose to partner with. Because of the kings that he chose to be his allies, his, his, his partners. Your own ship will set sail in the name of Jesus. You will fulfill your destiny in the name of Jesus. By the grace of God, in God's very house, by the grace of God as your pastor, I'm committed for you to fulfill your destiny. It's my life commitment that you will fulfill your destiny. If you stay here, it's one of two things. Is that like you fulfill your destiny or you get out of here? That's it, I will get out of here. <laughs> it's one of those two things. You know, because, listen, our lives must glorify God. God must look at us and say, that's my girl. That's my boy. Those are my children. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have to, please bring up that scripture again. We 
not be like Jehoshaphat. Fleet of sheep, trading ships. He had a vision. He knew where he wanted to go. But guess what? They never set sail. A productive soul is a grateful soul. You know, we learned that wealth operating system that the opposite of wealth is not poverty. The opposite of wealth in Hebrew is actually what? It's evil. It's a big deal to God that people are productive. That's why Jesus saw a fig tree and, and it cursed the fig tree. If you look at it, you're like, isn't that an extreme reaction? Why are you cursing a fig tree? Is it just ego-driven? He wants to show that he has power? No, no, no. It shows us how much God views productivity and fruitfulness. So today we're going to look at five things we have to do to make sure that our ship sets sail, to make sure that our ship leaves the harbor, to make sure that our ship do not get wrecked being parked at the harbor. Five things. Quickly, and we are done. The first thing that we need, the very first thing, is that we need to stop accusing and excusing. We need to stop accusing and excusing. Accusers always, always find somebody to blame. Accusers always find somebody to blame. It's somebody else's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. Excusers, on the other hand, always find a reason not to do it. They are masters at finding... Listen, someone said, you can either make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make the two. You can't make progress while making excuses, and you can't make excuses while making progress. What is it going to be? For, for those that um, um, know me for, for, for a while, you know, I hate excuses. I just hate it. We need to move from point A to point B. Some people, their job is to try to convince me why we should not move from point A to point B. And I'm like, don't you get it by now? I am not interested in why we should not move from point A to point B. This, God wants us to go from point A to point B. That is what's going to happen regardless. Oh, but pastor, you know, there's a lion on the street. Well, we are going to face the lion. We have greater is he that is in me than he that is in the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah is where? Is in me. Oh, pastor, it's going to cost too, a lot of money. Listen, the owner of the silver and the gold is my father. just get angry. Oh, why are you doing this? Don't you know that it's going to cost 55 hours of prayer? What is the purpose of my knees? What are they useful for? If not for prayer. What's the purpose of your knees? If not for prayer. What am I saying? Simple. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Stop looking for someone to blame. Your dad is, is, is long gone. It is not your father's fault. Oh, 
oh, but pastor, you don't understand. You were not there. My daddy did, did this, he did that. He did, okay, yes, he's done all that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying you are the general of your life now. Are you going to sit down and blame the system? Are you going to blame the country? You are going to blame the community. You are going to blame the government. You are going to blame a political party. You have, listen, if you're a child of God, regardless of where you are, on the face of the earth, you are designed to prosper. Regardless. And this is not just pep talk or prosperity talk. I've shown you from scriptures, there is no way, there is no way someone will have a thriving relationship with God and will not prosper. It's not possible. It's not God that he's working with. God will stretch you and shred you until you become all that he has created you to be. There are three... <laughs> okay, let's give the Lord a big hand. Don't have an excuse for not coughing. My hand is paining me. <laughs> now, there are, there are three types of people in this world. Three types of people. You have the accusers, you have the excusers, and you have what? The performer. Ask your neighbor, madam, which one are you? Oh, girl, which one are you? Are you an excuser? If you're an excuser, excuse me. Go and find another place to sit down. <laughs> eh? Which one are you? Are you an accuser? Or are you a performer? Can God give you a vision and know that this girl will bring it to pass? This boy will make this happen. Can God trust you with that? You need to stop being an accuser. You need to stop being an excuser and start being a performer. Performers take responsibility. Performers know that if it's going to be, it is up to me. If it's going to be, it is up to me. I have information, but I need to take action. It's not enough to have information. If you don't take action, what's the value of the information? The performers get things done. If your ship must set sail, you have to quit complaining. You have to keep, in fact, God detests grumbling. Did you know that? God cannot, cannot stand people that grumble. Unfortunately, people say they work with God and they grumble a lot. And I'm like, which God are you working with? God cannot stomach grumblers. In fact, for children of Israel, God said, you have grumbled so much, you are all, of, all of them, they are going to die in the wilderness. <laughs> this is grumbling too much. I will kill all of you in the wilderness. Listen, if you want to keep grumbling, then know that the more you grumble, the farther you go away from, from fulfilling, fulfilling your purpose. Stop grumbling. Both things are hard. Stop grumbling. Stop accusing anyone. Don't. Take responsibility. You are in charge. God has put you in charge. God will give you the resources to pull through in the name of Jesus. You are the head of the house. Don't complain. School fees is too much. Eh? 
because of school fees, you are grumbling. You are, you are nasty to everybody. You are, you know, they're just saying, you know, all these six children. Are you not the one that bought them? <laughs> you want me to pay the school fees? No, you did the job. <laughs> Praise the Lord. No, no, no. The point is this. We should stop complaining. What needs to be done needs to be done. What needs to be done needs to be done. Summer is going. Children are going back to school. Bills are going to hit you. Big deal. Now, listen. Think about it. Last year, you complained. The year before, you complained. Did it make the school fees go away? Try this. When they give you the bill, take it and say, Hallelujah! <laughs> how blessed am I? That's how you should respond. That's how you should respond. Because, you see, whether you complain, whether you grumble, it doesn't solve the problem. If you are going to be a performer, you have to realize that you need to make the choice. Life is filled with choice making, decision making. You need to make a choice. This, what is before me? What am I going to do? You take your position and you trust God and you bite your teeth at it and don't let go until you, you finish it. In fact, it's a blessing from God. God God, one of the greatest things God did to man was to give him the power to choose. And in my opinion, as much as it's, 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 it's the greatest blessing, it's, it can also be one of the greatest curses <laughs> that can happen to, <laughs> to, to man. The greatest blessing and greatest curse of man is the ability to make choices. Really. It's your call. It's your call. Stop grumbling. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you will choose life so that you and your children can live. Oh, that you will choose life. Life. Galatians 6 5 says to us, Galatians 6 5, that we are each responsible for our own conduct, for our own lives, for our own responses. You are responsible. Stop complaining. Stop accusing. Stop it. You are responsible. Start taking responsibility. We are responsible for our lives. You are responsible. You are responsible. We are each responsible. You know what that tells me? You are as close to God as you want to be. It says, oh, some people are just very close to God. Oh, you know, maybe they are just a special gift. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You are as close to God as you want to be. Is your call. How close to God do you want to be? Nobody is closer to God than you 
that you can't be as close to God or closer to God as the person I hope I'm making sense is what I say. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? It's the purpose of complication. Anyway, so you're as close to God as you want to be. It's your choice. You're as happy as you want to be. The purpose you don't understand. Eh, my husband is like this. That's why I'm sad. No, 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 that's not why you are sad. You are sad because you have chosen to be sad. That's why you are sad. It's your call. It's your call. You are the governor. You are the general of your life. If you choose, you can't change what your husband will do, but you can change how you will respond. So if you choose to be sad, that's your beeswax. It's your call. Don't blame your husband. And the men say, Amen. <laughs> it's your call. And of course, the, the converse is also the case. You can't blame your wife for anything. It's your call. So, if, if, if you're as close to God as you want to be, you're as happy as you want to be, guess what? You are as productive as you want to be. A lot of people don't know that. They're like, eh? Really? I thought some people are just lucky that they, they are just making it. Why some people are just struggling? Listen, yes, people have different challenges. Yes, people will go through different paths. Yes, people have different phases and seasons. And yes, everybody can be productive. Everybody. So, regardless of what you are facing, you can still be the best that God has called you to be. You can. Stop blaming. You can. Regardless of, oh, if only I went to the school they sent all my brothers to. Everybody went to private school. Then they put only me in public school. That is why they are all doing well. And I am struggling. Stop excusing it. Stop excusing it. Shake it off. Tell your neighbor, shake it off. Shake it off. Stop excusing it. Proverbs 22. And this is big. This is big. It says, the lazy person is what? Is full of excuses. If you have a dream, if you want your ship to sail, stop making excuses. Stop it. Catch yourself and stop it. That's the first thing you need to do. The second thing you need to do is hand it over. Surrender the dream to Jesus. Surrender the dream to Jesus. We have to give our dreams to God for the dreams to become reality. We have to give our gift to God. It is what we place in his hands that he breeds on. What we put in our hands cannot multiply. It is what we place in his hands. Your business, you have to put it in his hands. Ministry, obviously, I mean, that should be obvious. But people are running ministries today, it's not in God's hands, though. It's not in God's hands. It's in their hands. You have to give it to God. You have to give it to God. It's when you give it to God that God breathes on it and 
you and I wondered how did that happen? How did this happen? But you see, the challenge is this. Many times, we don't understand the phases of the dream. Every dream goes through phases. I've talked about it in engineering your dreams. We've, I think we've done that engineering your dreams how many times now. And I've talked about it at different times. But I'm going to just breeze over it like a refresher course. There are six phases of a dream. Of a God-given dream. If God gives you a dream, the first phase, obviously, the first phase is boom, dreaming. You catch the vision. You, you are. God gives you a dream. Second, decision. You make a decision to pursue the dream. You're fired up. Like today, you're going to set sail in Jesus' name. Phase three, delay. This gets us uncomfortable. <laughs> you see, between the dream and fulfillment is delay. And when we experience delay, we think something is wrong. We think something is wrong with the dream. We think something is wrong with the direction. We think something is wrong with ourselves. But relax, nothing is wrong. What's the purpose of the delay? It's simple. God is working on you while you are working on the dream. That's what happened in, in, in the face of delay. So, while you are working on the dream, God is working on you. The faster God works on you, or you yield to God working on you, uh, the shorter the delay. Praise the name of the Lord. But when we leave the delay phase, you think the next phase is going to be the great phase. Nope. Difficulty. Look, every dream passes through this. Then, phase number five. He said, this is the dead end. I've reached my wit's end. I've run out of ideas. You know, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've tried. If you're in that place today, congratulations, because the next phase is what? The, the dream delivers. It delivers. And when it delivers, you can now say, ah, if it had not been for the Lord who had been on our side. When you are saying glory be to God, you actually mean glory be to God. You know, when people are in the elementary stages and they are dreaming and decision and they are fired up and they are getting resources and they say glory be to God, they don't mean glory be to God. They mean glory be to God and me. Because I tried to now. I did. So God will, will take it and kill it, so to speak. So that by the time you get here, you can say, All the glory must be to the Lord. And that dream can be your marriage. By the time you, it delivers, you can say, Ah, God, it is you. It can be your finances, it can be your career. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 12 and 13. It says, I have learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or empty. With plenty or little. For I can do everything with the help of Christ 
with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. It's, you, it, it's going to take God. You know, positive thinking is good. Positive thinking, at least it's better than negative thinking. But it's going to take more than positive thinking. Motivational speaking and listening to motivational speeches is good because it's better than listening to demotivational speeches. But it's going to take more than motivational speaking. You're going to need the power of Christ. So you need to surrender that dream to God. You need to surrender it to God. That was the problem with Jehoshaphat. He didn't surrender his dream to God. If you read the whole story, he didn't surrender his dream to God. Eventually, he built an array of trading ships and none of them set sail to the destination. Your own ship would set sail in the name of Jesus. So after you have stopped accusing, you have surrendered your dreams to God. Number three, you need to set the compass or be set to the compass. You need to get your direction. Solid. Proverbs 17, Proverbs 17, 24. It says, an intelligent person aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. He's just starting, just God says, no, 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 no. You need to set the compass. You need to set the compass. Set your compass. Get the direction sorted. So number one, stop accusing. Stop excusing. Number two, surrender the dream to Jesus. Number three, Set the compass. And number four, start now. Start now. Begin immediately. Begin immediately. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not when things get better. <laughs> Not when I feel like it. When should you start? When should you start? Start now. Start now. You know, many of us, we are good procrastinators. We are gifted at procrastinating. You know? I have to deal with that and consistently do. So, if you are saying I'm a procrastinator, I can be a procrastinator. Let me see your hands up. My hands are up. I, I like to procrastinate. Let me see your hands up. Okay. Okay. You know, the, the, the people that are not lifting up their hands, they want to lift up their hands on Wednesday. They are, <laughs> they are procrastinating. <laughs> <laughs> I procrastinated already. So we all procrastinate. We say tomorrow. But tomorrow never comes. How many books have been written tomorrow? How many books have been read tomorrow? 
How many business plans have been written tomorrow? How many ideas have been worked on tomorrow? How many prayers have been prayed tomorrow? How many dieting plans has been started tomorrow? How many? None. None. So you, you, you need to realize that the time to start is now. Just don't wait for it to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Don't wait for it to be. I mean, if you want everything to be perfect, you're not going to get anything done. Not at all. You're not going to get anything done. You know, there's a story in Genesis of Israel, Jacob, yeah, Israel, and, um, and his children and his sons. He had supposedly lost Joseph. And the other sons came and said, oh, they found food in Egypt. They brought a lot of provision. And they said that the, the oh God there says we should bring our younger brother. And this man says, you want to kill me in my old age? I'm still not recovered from my son, Joseph. Now you want to take Benjamin, you know? And he delayed, dilly-dallied, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then finally, Judah, Judah stepped up and says, okay, hold me responsible. And Judah made a statement. After that statement, Jacob said, you can go. The statement, Genesis 43, and it speaks to us also, verse 10. It says, if we hadn't wasted all this time, we would have gone and returned twice by now. For many of us, if you hadn't wasted all this time, you would have been ten times wealthier than you are today. Truth. If you hadn't wasted all this time, you would have been far ahead of where you currently are today. And this statement that was spoken only God knows how many years ago still speaks to us today. Many times we waste, we just waste time. There's not going to be an ideal time. Start it now. Just get it done. Don't waste time. The conditions are not going to be perfect. You know, some people say, oh, um, when things are right, I will start tithing. When my finances is in order, I will begin to pay my tithe. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Because if you are the devil, what would you, what would you ensure? That the finances will, there will always be something. You start tithing and your finances will be in order. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, when things are perfect, when things are perfect, then um, I can be romantic with my husband or with my wife. <laughs> things are not going to be perfect. Say, Pastor, is that, are you not supposed to prophesy that things are going to be perfect? We are living in a broken world. You have a toddler, you have a baby that is in diapers, and you want things to be perfect, it's not going to happen. If anything wants to be perfect, they will scatter it. They're going to be diapers, they're going to be poo-poo, they're going to be crying, they're going to be fighting, there's going to be... Things are not going to be perfect. You have to find a way to be romantic in the midst of poo-poo. This old pastor, uh, I want my husband to take me to an island. We are sitting under a coconut tree. 
the waves that is washing on, on, on our feet, you know, and we're drinking pina colada, you know, then I'll get frisky and I'll get romantic. <laughs> Only in meals and boobs. <laughs> it doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> maybe once, maybe when you go on the vacation, maybe. But you can't build your life wanting things to be perfect before you do what you need to do. You're a father. You need to spend time with your children. Oh, you're waiting for the time when you will have eight hours. I will sit down with them for eight hours. When are you going to have eight hours? But you have 30 minutes today. Spend that 30 minutes. Oh, it's not enough. You know, because it's a challenge. We want things to be set before we do things. He that considers the wind, the Bible says we're not what? Come on. We're not so. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4, rounds it up. It says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. So, life has to be lived in less than perfect conditions. You have to be the best that God has called you to be in less than perfect conditions. You have to make the best out of everything in less than perfect conditions. If the Bible says the conditions are not going to be perfect, as you have seen, why are you waiting for a perfect condition? Start now. Get it done. Set the sail. How many did I say we were going to share? Five. So number one. Number two. Number three. Good. Number four. Start now. And number five. Select a partner or partners. Who are you going to do this journey with? Who are you going to call to come side by side with you? Select a partner. Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. It says, two people are better, better off than one. Why? They, for they can help each other succeed. The MSG translation says, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Says, but pastor, I'm, <clears throat> I'm Rambo, you know, I'm one man army. The, the Bible says it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Select a partner. It is better to have a partner. So, if you have a dream, you need to get someone else involved in that dream. You need to get someone else involved in the dream. You want the dream to be a reality. You need to 
select a partner. Everyone has done something great and extraordinary, has a partner. We've heard of Microsoft. He had a partner. They're going to put up this, some slides of people and their partners, and we'll walk through it. That is Bill Gates. Bill Gates is the one on the left or on the right? All right, good. Bill Gates had a partner. His name is Paul Allen. I'm sure most, most people don't know who Paul Allen is. But without Paul Allen, there would be no Microsoft today. Bill Gates had a partner. Next slide. Steve Jobs had a partner. Steve Wozniak, that's his name. Wozniak was the one that wrote the code for Apple One, Apple Two. Without Wozniak, there will be no Apple. But we don't hear about Wozniak. We don't hear about Paul Allen. We hear about the Bill Gates. We hear about the Steve Jobs. Next slide. Oh, you know who this is? <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Mike Zuckerberg. He had a partner. And that's his, that was his partner, Eduardo Taverin. He had a partner. Without Eduardo, there would be no Facebook. You need to select a partner. Next slide. Larry Page, Google. Now, which one is Larry Page? Mm. Mm. <laughs> He's one of them, I'm sure. <laughs> Sergi Brin was his partner. He's his partner. Without Sergi, no Google. Are you getting the idea of what I'm saying? Next picture. This is one of the best partnerships in the world. Ever. Anyone that is not in the ATM service that knows these two guys, I'll take you out to lunch. Who are these? Try. Okay, to help you, the two of them. <laughs> I'll take you to lunch tomorrow. <laughs> to help you, go to the next slide. Ben and Jerry. Imagine if there were no Ben and Jerry. What will happen to ice cream lovers? You be you be eating what? What? <laughs> okay, they become leper. <laughs> but we are not all fat. We are ice cream lovers. Any ice cream lover? Yeah. Okay, 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 cool. And is Ben and Jerry trans they transformed ice cream 
innovation. If there was only Ben, imagine having ice cream, Ben, will you even, get, you even take it? You probably will not. Jerry, <laughs> you probably will not. It probably will be half as good. Now, there are partnerships that has to be in place. And, I mean, we can bring this further home. Show us the next um, slide. Guguru and Ekpa. Believe me, Guguru and Ekpa is partnership made in. And the next partnership I'm going to talk about is also divine. Next slide. Pound and jam and soup. Now let's share the grace. Pound and jam and soup. Imagine having only powdered jam and you're eating powdered jam and water. Come on. You, even Patent and, and Ewedu does not go well. Uh, uh, the partner of Patent Yam is what? Is Egusi Soup. <laughs> you see, and you need to realize from we've gone through all these things, all these examples. I'm going to go through them again to show you, to bring home a point. The first thing is this. Not everybody is a Bill Gates. Not everybody is a Steve Jobs. Not, I'm not saying if you are not a Bill Gates, then something is wrong with you. No. But you can be a Paul Allen. You can be a Steve Wozniak. You can be a Jerry. If you are not Guguru, you can be a Pa. If you are not Panajam, you can be the Egusi Soup. But you say you have to partner with something that is greater than you. You have to partner with, with something that is greater than you. Even Jesus had partners. He chose 12 of them. He said to them, I don't call you servant. I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master does. They, you are my friends. You know everything I do. We are partners in essence. Because that's what it is. God's favorite house by God's grace is going to be 8th on the 12th of September. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. But you know very well that we will not be where we are if not for the workers in God's favorite house, the pastors in God's favorite house, the ministers in God's favorite house. We won't be here if we didn't have people that linked up. Definitely not. So who is your Steve Jobs? Who is your Bill Gates? And you see, please, can you run through the, the picture again? The picture starting from um, Bill Gates' thing. It's, those partnerships, not all of them lasted. Not all of them lasted. No, no, okay, start with, I'll tell you when to shift. Thank you. Bill Gates, Paul Allen, 
It didn't, it didn't last. Bill Gates, we all love Bill Gates, but Bill Gates was a very <laughs> brutal business person. Let's just put it mildly. My, brutal is mild. Paul Allen, when Balmer joined the, the, the corporation, Paul Allen had cancer. He overheard Bill Gates saying, and, Paul Allen, and, and Balmer speaking, that because he couldn't work as hard as he used to, that so it's very useless to the company. And he felt, how can you say that? You know? He says, but you're not delivering. He says, but I'm sick. He says, who cares? We have work to do. So he left. Then, uh, okay, that's the first one. First of all, when Palmer came on, on, on board, <laughs> Bill Gates and Paul Allen said they would offer Palmer 10% of, of the shares. So, it was assumed that Bill Gates would contribute 5%, Paul Allen would contribute 5%, right? So Paul Allen contributed his 5% of his shares. Only for him to discover that Bill Gates went to Bauma and negotiated that it takes 8.5%. So he only contributed 3%. Who does that? Bill Gates. So at the point, at the cancer situation, I mean, Paul Allen couldn't take it anymore. So he resigned. So Bill Gates offered to buy up his shares. They say he will sell it. Bill Gates says he wants to buy it $5 per share. And the guy says, no, I won't sell it at 10 because that's like the going price. And he pressured him to sell it at 5 And the guy said, no, he's going to sell it at 10 And he called his buff. He didn't sell it to him. And he held on to the shares. And those shares made the guy a multi-billionaire today. The Microsoft shares that made him one of the richest person in the world, Paul Allen. But if he had not partnered, so they're not all, they won't all last together um, forever. Wozniak obviously had an issue with, um, with um, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had to leave Apple, went to Pixel, eventually came back. It's not always... Sometimes you have to walk away, but that partnership is required. Next slide. Zuckerberg fired <laughs> Eduardo. He fired him. So some partnerships, you have to get up and fire. So while you are getting into partnership, make sure you still reserve the power to, to fire. Next these ones are together. They are doing well. Next. These ones are together. But they never separate. <laughs> next. Then next. These ones. They are not together again. At the movies. They give us only guru. Many times I'm tempted to go with my bottle of pack. This we are not going to give us the power because how can you separate Guguru and Ekma? But they are doing it today. Children of nowadays. 
Next. Oh, this one can never be separated. This one's meant together. So what am I saying in all this story? Success is almost never a one-man show. Almost never a one-man show. Nobody does it alone. Nobody. Nobody does it alone. Nobody. Nobody. You can't. We need each other. This is why you have to be a part of church community. Nobody does it alone. For your ship to get out of the harbor, for your ship to set sail, you must have the correct partner. The correct partner. Case in point, Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat that we read in 1 Kings 22 had a partner or had the wrong partner. His partner was here. He went to partner with someone that God has cursed. His partner was here. When they were going to, to, to battle the king of Syria, Ahab called all these prophets together. And, 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 and Joseph has said, oh, no, there's a prophet, an original prophet. Ahab says, no, no, that guy doesn't prophesy good things for me. <laughs> now, listen, what does it matter? Is this speaking by God? Is that, not, is that not what should be the most important thing? Since he doesn't tell me what I like to hear. So Joseph says, let's call him. They call him. The guy says, listen, if you go to this world, you're going to die. He says to Joseph, the guy told you this guy doesn't prophesy good. So instead of Joseph to be facing his destiny, he's connecting with people that are not going anywhere. You need to reevaluate your partnerships. Some partnerships have expired. They've expired. Praise the name of the Lord. They were useful, but they didn't maintain the relevance. So as I draw the curtain today, partnership is on two fronts. There's a spiritual partnership and there's a physical partnership. Yes, we've been talking about the physical partnership. But you must have a spiritual partnership in place. There has to be a spiritual partnership with Jesus before any physical partnership with any man or woman can make sense. So if you're here, you're like, Pastor, I'm not sure I have... I can't say that I have a spiritual partnership with the God of heaven. I want to pray with you today. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads. Like, Pastor, that is me. I want to have a spiritual cover of Jesus, a spiritual partnership with Jesus. Pray with me. I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. God bless you, sir. 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 That is me. God bless you. Keep up the hands. God bless you. If you are put up the hands, God bless you, sir. My brother at the back. God bless you. Another hand at the back. God bless you. That is me over there. God bless you. That is me. If you have the card, you can put down your hand. It's okay. I'm going to pray with you in a bit. God bless you, my sister. That's at the back. God bless you. That is me. I want to have a spiritual partnership with Jesus. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you. That is me. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up until you get a card. Oh, another hand there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Another hand right in front. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, sir. That is me. Keep the hands up until you have the card. Once you have the card, 
put down that hand. I'm going to pray with you in a bit. I want to set up my spiritual partnership with the God of heaven. Pastor, pray with me. That is me. God bless you. Another hand over there. Keep the hands up. Another hand over there. God bless you. Another hand right there in that corner. Another hand at the back there. Right there beside you, my sister. Oh, right there. Yeah. Another hand there. That is me. Keep the hands up. I want to set up my spiritual partnership. Put your hands up. If that is you today, your partnership with Jesus is not in place. You want to, you want to connect to, to him. I will pray together. Father in heaven, we pray for everyone. That is reconnecting with you today. We ask that you have mercy upon everyone, Lord. Cleanse them. Save them. Be their partner indeed. Be their Lord, be their God. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Now, in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Now, I want to pray with, with you. We are physical partnership. For some of us, we are like Jehoshaphat. We are children of God, but connected to Ahab. Why don't you begin to disconnect even right now from Ahab and trust that God will bring you into real and genuine partnership. Trust. If you're here, you're like, I need to connect. Lord, lead me. Yes, that's your prayer. Pray it. I need to disconnect from the Ahab. Lord, help me. That's your prayer. Pray it, my sister. Pray it, my brother. Oh, Father, we thank you. We pray for everyone that needs to disconnect with Ahab. Let the disconnection happen now in the name of Jesus. Everyone that needs divine connection, divine partnerships, let the divine partnerships happen, my Father, in the mighty name of Jesus.